Hi, this is Alex Romanovich, and welcome to Global Edge Talk, the podcast for global entrepreneurs. Today is June 24th, 2021, and we have our one of our guests is Alex Stein, who is the chief executive officer of a company called Essentix. Hello, Alex. Hello, Alex. So we're going to talk about your um, path to success with Essentix, and it's a very interesting path. Uh, I just found out in, with, in talking with you that we're both were born in the same city, Kiev, Ukraine. I, I always laugh. Uh, I always say that all roads lead to Kiev. And we talked about soccer. We talked about swimming. And uh, I understand that you're also a, uh, you know, you also have a, a motorcycle. So we're going to talk a little bit about the personal side of Alex Stein, but mm-hmm. also your professional path. And we'll ask a few questions. Um, so welcome, welcome once again. Please feel comfortable. Um, Global Edge Talk is about entrepreneurs who are on the edge, who also have the edge. We strongly believe that people who go through uh, globally, who go through some challenges, go through a number of different uh, trials and tribulations, then come out the other end with success. Uh, that's what you need. You need to have the edge. You need to be on the edge. And that is exactly what Global Edge Talk is about. Alex, let's talk about your early days. Uh, you were born in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, the Ukrainian team is fighting in the uh, 1-8th uh, finals at the uh, European Soccer Championship right now. So we're rooting for them. Um, you're an entrepreneurial leader. You're somebody who built a number of businesses. Uh, but you started with you know, a very traditional you know, companies like Wang, you know, Systems and some of the other ones, what sort of uh, gave, you, gave you the edge? What can you say about, you know, your advantages, your, you know, your strong points that made you a success? Uh, maybe, you know, going back to your early days, maybe going back to your childhood, please tell us about, about what you think gave you the edge. Yeah, Alex, I think, you know, being, uh, you know, very competitive uh, from uh, early days. uh, And again, when you go back to history and I look at the Kiev, uh, I was part of the swim team. I actually played for the youth uh, Dynamic Kiev team. Uh, Then, uh, you know, when we immigrated to the United States in uh, 1980, uh, again, I uh, joined the Jewish Community Center and, uh, you know, was swimming for them. And then, you know, was swimming for the school and, uh, you know, in college, I was very competitive and, uh, you know, one of the top uh, breaststrokers and butterflies in the school. So, you know, having uh, the competitive uh, genes, I would say, right? I mean, uh, you know, made me very competitive in business. I like to I like to win, let's put it this way. And I think that drive uh, always been there. And even like today, I, I just hate to lose. I hate to win. And uh, I will go until uh, things get done. That's uh, my nature. Alex, you mentioned something really interesting right now. You said competitive genes. Do you think that you know being competitive, being successful is genetic, or do you think this is something that could be acquired? So uh, I think it's uh, you know being competitive uh, is genetic. At least uh, if I look at myself, uh, and uh, yeah, it just helped me in life, and uh, I, I always. Uh, just, you know, go forward, uh, even if something doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, like to win. That's kind of my nature. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs globally are listening to this uh, podcast. And, you know, winning is part of any success, obviously. But let's talk about losing. Let's talk about what you've learned by losing something that mm-hmm. helped you win. What, let's also talk about, 
under what circumstances you would be willing to repeat the same experience so you can gain some advantage. Yeah, one thing that I learned, I mean, when you lose, you need to, you kind of, you learn for, you know, why you lost and just, you need to, you know, put yourself together and move on just like in any sports and uh, try to win the next time. And that's what I do. You know, we lose, we talked about this, uh, you know, with my guys and uh, it's okay. You know, this is why we lost and just, you know, move forward, learn from your mistakes. That's kind of my uh, nature. Uh, Alex, what do you think about repeating the same mistake twice? They say that you know you could make the same mistake, you could make a mistake, but you should not make the same mistake twice. Have you have that happened to you? Uh, yes, Alex. I mean, uh, like in any business, uh, you know, uh, again, you try to learn from your mistakes. Uh, but it happened to me that uh, you know I made mistake twice. Yes, um, Alex. Before be beyond your personal story or stories. There's so many great topics to, that we can discuss regarding general topics of automation. You know, we're moving rapidly towards robotics, automation. Uh, I mean, the COVID pandemic showed us that there's so many companies, so many technologies, innovations that have been just sprouted literally in the past, you know, one to two years. Um, you've started Ascentix, you founded Ascentix. What was the impetus? What was the driver for you to start Ascentix, because even though it's uh, still in a, in a very fast-growing early stage of development, um, you've had some really great successes working with major partners like Genesis and some of the other ones. You've had some, you know, amazing clients. Why, why, you know, why Ascentix? Why automation? Why case management? Tell us more about that. Sure, Alex. Actually, it came from uh, you know from the Wang days when I graduated from college. Uh, I got to work with Wang. And this is where I pretty much got my automation experience. We were, you know, I would say I formed a company called Datamax, and we were like one of the pioneers uh, in document management and workflow space. Okay? So that kind of gave me the foundation. Uh, again, in early days, I learned a lot about the workflow, you know, what is a document, you know, what is an imaging technology. And that really was a foundation to start uh, 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 Ascentex. So uh, when we started Ascentex, I, I kind of, you know, took... Uh, you know, all the knowledge that I had, like with Datamax Technologies, and I looked at the salesforce.com and I really loved the cloud concept, right? So my goal was to take kind of the knowledge of the Datamax and take it to the next level, right? Where, you know, Datamax days, we used to be the workflow, the document, right? But uh, getting this whole kind of case management uh, component uh, to that whole story was kind of the next, uh, you know, the, the, the next wave and uh, putting everything in the cloud was another kind of idea that I learned from salesforce.com. So again, kind of I took the ideas from Datamax, I took the, all the cloud, uh, cloud concept from salesforce.com, and that was the foundation of, uh, uh, of Ascentex. Why case management? Because if you look at any organization, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, we're looking like, you know, for technology that we, you know, could be repeatable, that can also cover a lot of use cases. So if you look at any organization, there's a lot of, uh, you know, different case-based processes, right? But the idea was to create a platform that allows you pretty much to, you know, take, uh, you know, public sector or take uh, the banking uh, uh, banks or, you know, take insurance companies and pretty much apply our technology to, you know, many different use cases. Okay? Initially, the technology started to automate human-based work, right? We call it like knowledge workers. And, uh, but over time, we start seeing a lot of repeatable steps, you know, within the, you know, different use cases. Uh, so we took it even to the next level where not only we've been able to automate the human steps, right, 
but we were you know able to use uh, things like robotics uh, to to automate repeatable step. And with that, we truly uh, created a very interesting technology uh, that allows us to come into any organization and pretty much automate any like end-to-end uh, case-based process. Fascinating stuff. Um, let me ask you a question about uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, a lot of folks are saying in the software business, in the platform business, in the startup uh, space, a lot of folks are saying that actually they've benefited greatly from COVID. Uh, they've, great, they've benefited greatly from some of the things that needed to be automated and so forth. Have you, be, have you benefited from COVID and have your customers benefited from, from COVID having your system and platform in place? What do you think about the, this entire COVID concept vis-a-vis technologies, innovations, and so forth? Actually, great question. Uh, during COVID, actually, our business grew 40%. And the reason, because in the last two years, wow, focusing a lot on, uh, uh, you know, on the customer experience, right? Not only providing the case management, but also uh, focusing a lot on uh, kind of, you know, building, you know, customer experience modules like Omnichannel or integration to Omnichannel, you know, knowledge-based product, ability to automate portals. So we've been, you know, I would say one of the few low-code platforms, case management platform, that really connected uh, the customer experience and the case management and digital business process automation uh, into like one offering. And with it, we've been able to build a really very powerful end-to-end customer journey that can really start with any, any kind of Romney channel. This could be a call, uh, this could be a chat. And uh, we, you know, again, one of the very few co- companies who can go all the way to the resolution module, right? So that gave us a big edge. And as we know, like during the COVID, uh, you know, all the companies or many companies trying to go digital. And uh, yeah, we're experiencing, uh, you know, huge uh, upside uh, during COVID. Again, business our business with 40%. Excellent. Congratulations on that. That's great. Thank you. Listen, the other day, uh, we had an outage in my house. Um, I think our provider is Verizon Fios. And uh, look, clearly, we, we get so dependent on having internet connection uh, on demand and uninterrupted and so forth and so on. And I, I think it was a storm or something like this. So I decided to call the customer service. I never try to call customer service in companies like these because my expectations are very low. But, you know, uh, we're in the age of automation. We're in the age of new technologies and customer service automation and so forth. So I decided to take a chance. What a horrific experience. Let me ask you, do you feel, do you think that the customer service of the future is going to be totally automated? Because that's, that's a thought that I had. This person is definitely not going to help me. We're running in circles, and I wish there was a robot sitting on the other side of the, of the phone line. Do you feel that this is the sentiment of many, of many folks out there, and do you feel that one day customer service will be completely automated? Uh, you know what? I think big percentage. I mean, if I will uh, you know, look at the future and uh, look at uh, you know, 90% of the tickets uh, that's uh, coming through the, uh, you know, through the company, I think most of it will be done through the robot or like chatbots or some kind of you know, self-service technology. So, yeah, we kind of begin to see the trend and, uh, you know, with AI, uh, with machine learning, with artificial intelligence. And uh, I, I really feel that uh, moving forward, we're actually also working on this problem, <laughs> not problem, but we're working on these type of you know, solutions right now. Uh, and moving forward, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, customer service requests 
uh, will be done through either robot or some kind of a chatbot and uh, artificial intelligence. Absolutely. Uh, the other question I have was um, about the global nature of the business. Uh, this is a global entrepreneurship podcast, so we, we have to talk about global. And just now we spoke about you traveling internationally or beginning to travel internationally because of COVID. I've already you know, made it over the ocean to a couple of countries myself in the past six months. With the economy coming back, do you see any major shifts in automation, low-code development, uh, maybe case management, as it pertains to not just customer service, but marketing, sales, global expansion, um, you know, uh, things of that nature, you know, scalability. Uh, is there, you know, it, it doesn't matter if the business is local or if the business is global, does your platform give the global business an, an advantage of being global and scaling globally? Tell us more about that. So, um, yeah, the, 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 Companies in, in today's in today's uh, environment, uh, companies trying to be a lot more competitive, and because of that, they need to come up with a new products. They need to roll new projects much quicker, and that's where low-code platform like uh, like a Centex allows them to deliver this project very quickly. This whole kind of agility, ability to roll project very quickly, yep. right? Ability to uh, manage uh, the workforce, uh, people who can work from home, live and work. So absolutely, uh, the low-code technology that we offer is ideal for this uh, environment. And you know, yeah. specifically, the ability to have that uh, omni-channel and customer experience also gives this company's edge uh, where you know, customers uh, really can uh, you know, do requests from you know, any channel, which is another kind of a big uh, movement in the industry right now. You know, it's interesting. You talked about acceleration. Uh, during COVID as well, as you know, a lot of the CIOs and CTOs, chief technology officers, mentioned that the companies came to them and said, listen, remember that digital transformation project that we were putting on the, uh, you know, on the, on the uh, long burner? Well, let's do it now because we need more speed. We need to accelerate. We now have remote workers. We now have pressures from the, uh, you know, to cut costs and so forth. And by golly, everybody started to do in quote-unquote digital transformation express, right? Uh, is this what you're talking about? Are you talking about having the ability, um, because you don't have to program too much, because you have the ability to have very little code, because you have a number of automated functions, you can literally visually uh, put those, snap those functions together and create the workflow, um, is that possible then to help companies to transform digitally using your platform? Absolutely. That's exactly what we do today. And that's exactly what ha happened during the COVID, right? That uh, companies realizing that, uh, you know, they need the, the new ways to basically, you know, drive the business. And that's exactly what our technology does. It helps uh, these companies to very quickly mass map these, you know, digital processes and implement them. So, yeah, without uh, digital transformation, they basically can't survive. Great. Now, any great product requires a great product manager, a great head of product design, product implementation. And I believe you have a person like that in your company, and his name is Max Gill. Um, I'd like to bring Max in into this conversation so he can tell us a little bit more about some of the cool functions, uh, maybe something that's related to omnichannel, Automation, be it email or social or 
case management processing, what have you. Max, welcome to the studio. Hi, Alan. Uh, Max, tell us about um, the platform itself, maybe in a little more detail, in terms of what does it take for a product manager or head of product to design a product like this? You know, the product has to be, I mean, just like the name says, it has to be visual, it has to be intuitive, it has to give you a lot of functionality to produce virtually no code or very low code. Um, what goes into designing a product like that? I think the biggest asset I had when designing this product was the understanding of the market space. So we, Alex and I quickly understood that IT departments are generally shrinking and the uh, business uh, the business units themselves were kind of taking on more and more responsibility for their own applications that they need within their own teams or departments. Uh, and one of the reasons was that people can't really wait for IT to constantly go and design the applications every team needs. And the time it takes to write those requirements, really make it understandable to external units how to do it, just too long. So Alex and I really sat down and we wanted to figure out how is it can make enterprise-grade applications, but to be designed by business people. And so uh, that was kind of, that, that took experience, unfortunately. I mean, it, definitely once you have the experience, honing in on the exact problem was easier from Gartner to research to speaking to customers, but I, I spent a few years actually doing project implementation in the professional services side to really understand what the problem was. And uh, I think that's what's really important, at least in the B2B space, is to understand the problem you're trying to solve. Right, right. Very important aspect of this. Let me ask you another question uh, regarding futures. Uh, so we've seen a tremendous spike in automation, in low-code processing and development and so forth. What do you think is going to happen next? What is going to be the major aha, you know, the major moment where we'll say, oh, my goodness, this is going to be an improvement again for the enterprise or mid-sized business, for the customer service area? So what's in the, what's in the store for us in the next three to five years? That's a really meaning-loaded question. Uh, so AI is really honestly just starting to take off. So we're going to be able to see more and more fruition from it because the more systems that start connecting to AI, the more information the AI engine has to really start not only not so much automating work because automating work is always going to continue to happen, but really assisting the human in doing the work that the computer really can't or shouldn't. So I think that we're going to see kind of a, a shift from just simply automating everything with AI to focusing more on assisting the employee in completing real knowledge work. I think that's not going to be that big of an aha moment, but it's definitely something that I think is going to be a substantial uh, shift. And omni-channel and channel in general is going to change as well because there's VR that's coming. And a couple of years ago, I was speaking to an analyst who told me that uh, the next big thing is going to be VR. 
in, in customer support. And I was like, how is that going to work? Like, you're going to, you're going to put on glasses to solve your car problems. And they said, yes. <laughs> and uh, that's exactly what's happening now. I've seen all sorts of situations like that. And the more channels we have from wearables to TTBR uh, to, to more things on your phone to more mobility, I think that the next big aha moment is going to be how do you, how do you really have an omni-channel experience from all of these channels, none of which, not all of which you can interface the same way that you can with a tablet or a phone. So but this is this is pretty fascinating. So you're telling me that virtual reality is going to be the the answer to customer service. By the way, I just bought my daughter Oculus too, and we've yeah. we you know we we set that up and it was pretty cool. But you know, it's great for games. It's great for other things like that. How is virtual reality going to help customer service? I, I please explain. Well, I, the, the, the first use case that it told me about was cars. So I bought a new car a few years ago, and this car has all sorts of buttons on it, and the manual is like 2,000 pages. And so when I have to figure out how to do something on my car, I call, I call customer support, and they try to explain to me where the buttons are. But every car, as you know, depending on the features you get, has buttons in different locations and different options. So it wasn't that easy. With VR... They expect that there'll be an overlay, uh, you know, an interface so that the agent can talk you through while overlaying or, or showing you. So what you're seeing, they're able to also navigate you through that experience. Um, so it's mostly overlaying. Uh, same thing with other, uh, with showcasing a, a new car. So sales, for example, COVID kind of took this a little bit to the next level, pushed a little bit was when instead of going into a store to actually buy something and to be explained what to do, you can put on glasses and still have that personal experience with a human, but be at a distance. Something that you can't really do when you're looking at a two-dimensional screen, you really need that three-dimensional view and that proximity that you get from virtual reality, that immersion that you get. That's pretty fascinating, actually. Thank you, Max. Um... Alex, going back to you, um, you know we're we're coming to an end of our um, uh, of our interview, but I guess one of the last questions I want to ask is, what would Alex of today say to Alex of fifteen to twenty years ago, based on all of the experiences you've had, and you know what is the advice that you would give to our global audience of entrepreneurs, investors, companies, you know, company CEOs? Um, tell me more. Yeah, Alex, I think in, in uh, you know, kind of going back and, uh, you know, from 20 years to today, I think two things that I think are very important, you know, first is having a great team or like a solid team uh, that, you know, works with you. Uh, that's number one. And uh, number two, focus. I think like I'm learning uh, that uh, having like the focus and uh, I think it's very important because when you're small, uh, and you don't focus, it just, it just becomes very hard. You need to you kind of simplify your business model. So I would say these are two things that are important to uh, be successful in business, having a great team, well, vision, and having focus. I think three things. I'm in total agreement. Uh, our slogan for uh, Global Edge Talk and Global Edge Markets is even when you grow, we help you focus. I think focus is one of the most challenging um, problems that entrepreneurs have because, you know, you, you always want to do as much as you can. You want to, you know, cast your net widely. And then you realize that in reality, if you don't focus, 
you're going to get, you know, you're going to get out of breath very, very quickly. Absolutely. So. Especially when you're small and you don't have a lot of, you know, enough resources uh, that, that that's, you know, can become a problem. Absolutely. Gentlemen, Alex, Max, thank you so much for being in our studio. Really appreciate you stopping by and telling us about uh, automation and case management and customer service. Fascinating stories. Fascinating story with you, Alex. Wishing you, you all, Alex. all the best. Thank you very much.